Welcome to episode 102 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 102 of Iron Man Talk. When's the anniversary? When's the two-year anniversary? Do we have a date? Sometime soon. Sometime <laughs> soon. I have to go back to the archive. <laughs> have to go back to the archive to show number one. Anyway, Iron Man Talk is proudly, oh no, brought to you by Coach Sean Newsom and Bevan James Oles. I normally go, how are you going, John? I'm good. You good? Go on, sponsors now. Okay, and we go, sponsors now. Coffeesofhawaii.com Oh, Coffees of Hawaii, they're just gold. They're in the uh, latest triathlete magazine. Really? Mm-hmm. What, like, is it like an ad? Or? Do a little, uh, little promo. Um, they've, got a, they've got an ad in there, but they've also got a section in the... Actually, you know what I think? Oh. I think the most effective advertising they could ever do is I mean talk. I agree. <laughs> Likewise with Trybuys.com. Oh, Trybuys. I've got some good stories about Trybuys today. Trybuys rocks. I went on there and I bought some shoes today. Oh. You're stupid not to. So. Porno and I were talking, we went for our training today. Oh, sorry, let's move on. And athlinks.com. And again, for all your social networking needs for endurance athletes, for all your results, tracking, and social needs. Mm-hmm. We actually read that one out. Not much <laughs> happening at the moment in the world of Iron Man. And John and I, I'm doing this big speech that I've been talking about over the last few weeks, and today's show is it's, it's going to be one of those winged ones, aren't it's, it? It's called Thin Preparation Time. <laughs> no peas today. But the good news is, we did prepare one thing. Well, first of all, we've got our news coming up. We've got, we're not actually going to, we're going to roll over the hot topic for the next week because we haven't got time. And we're going to do one age group every week. But luckily, we've done no peas, but we have in the way, haven't we, Jonbo? We've scored a pretty good interview today. Oh, we scored like one of the legends of at least multi-sport and uh, came on and did Iron Man and did pretty well. And who is that, Jonbo? Mr. Richard Usher. Oh, Mr. Richard. We haven't actually done the interview yet. We're going to do it in about 15 minutes. So, uh, yes. guy's a bit of a legend, isn't he? He is. We'll find out more about him soon. Yeah, we'll do that soon. So anyway, coming up, we've got a couple of races. Well, we've got one race coming up. We've got the California 70.3. So it's pretty much the opening of the Northern Hemisphere season, really, mm-hmm. uh, all the way down there in California, and it's a pretty... Pretty good field. Pretty good field. Andy Potts won the race last year, yep. so he's uh, seeded number one. Um, and then you've got Jens Cofield, who was second last year. And third last year was Lewis Elliott, but there's a few other fellas who are turning up this year. Also. Richie coming in, we haven't had him in a while. Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> happy days. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Uh, do they still rerun that? I haven't seen it for a while. I don't have TV. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't seen it for it's a while. It's bound to be on Prime. But also, well, who's going to make the race interesting, as always, is good old Bjorn Anderson. He'll absolutely rip the shreds out of them on the bike. Craig Alexander's going to be no, there. No, well, I was reading on Slow Twitch, uh, I think it was. He yeah. had an interview on Slow Twitch, was it? Okay. Or X-Try. And he was saying that he's actually feeling a little bit tired. Okay. So he was talking himself down. Bit of sandbagging. Bit of sandbagging. Oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. Because he was injured last year or something, sick last year. Uh, yeah, and he's saying, I'm just going to do this race, you know, just Yeah, whatever. He'll whatever, Trevor. Rip it. <laughs> he's going to dominate the dojo. So he's going to be obviously ripping the bike regardless if he's tired or not. Then you've got Craig Alexander who's going to be ripping the run. Steve Larson. Do I know that person? Steve Larson, well, he's the um, he's the ex mountain biker yeah. who's a um, oh. machine cyclist. He's a real estate agent now. Yeah? Couple of couple of other names to watch out for: Cyril Mazur from France. He's a short course fella who's very very strong. Paul Amy and Victor Platter. They both did. Well, Paul Amy's a short ex short course guy. So. Look out for those two, but um, it's a yeah. pretty good pr- number of pros. Big, big pro. Yeah. I mean, oh, it must be about fifty or so there. I'd yeah. say. So should be some good racing. So I'm thinking you're thinking pots because you like pots, don't you? Yeah, I'm thinking pots, but Craig Alexander's 
it'll be Potts with Craig Alexander. That's pretty pretty easy picking. But uh, I didn't see Craig Alexander. What do you see? Yeah, Craig Alexander is number eight. eight. How does he get eight? He was like the world champ. Well, they've got to give the number one to Andy Potts. He won the race last year. Okay, fair enough. We should start doing numbers in, in German and French so we can start. Okay, uh, do you know German? Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, acht. So uh, yeah. Craig Alexander is numero, number eight. Numero. <laughs> You're mixing it now. Mixing. On the female side of things, again, we have a pretty big field. Uh, we were looking at a strong field too. Yep. It's going to have Sam McGlone going oh. up against Michaeli Jones wow. and also Miranda Caffrey. So the three, well, number one and two in the world in terms of the 70.3 series last year, and then also Michaeli Jones, um, as well as a whole bunch of other you know, good pro girls. So it should I just be had a genius idea, right? John. Oh, hit it, hit it. Well, I, you know, I just follow them. Why, why don't they have a series of races like a, a, a like like an ITU series where you have a point system for an overall for the point. end of the year? I agree. That's a good genius. point. Yeah. And, uh, why don't yeah, they? I don't see why not. You know, maybe you, you, you have to compete in five a year before you're eligible. Yep. And there's a point system per race, and maybe they rank races, and that way you actually attract the pros to actually do more races, and, mm. and it creates more interest in the 70.3 series. Well, that, in the ITU series, that is the case. You, know, you, don't, you, you certainly don't have to do the whole series. I think it's about 15 to, I don't know, maybe 15 plus races, yep. but you have an X number of counting. I think it's probably about seven or eight, that's yep. a guess. And there is a reasonable prize pool at the end of the series. Mm. Um, for, and, and it's, it's Bevan, do you know what this is? <laughs> what is it, John? It's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Because you get more, you get, you'll get stronger fields of the races. Yeah. The pros will get rewarded a bit more. You'll be able to... I'm much more interest in the sport. Yeah. Because, you know, you'll be able to following and there'll be more rivalries between races and stuff like and that. And race directors may have a bit more certainty in terms of pros who probably commit to races a little bit earlier mm. so they can use them to build up, mate. We should be race directors. Wait, Back mate. of this podcast. Back of this podcast. <laughs> But also, um, what was I going to say? Now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, there's too much going on. I can't think two yours. things at once. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just think if for the sport, I just think that if they had that happening, it creates so much more interest in what's happening. They used to have it in Ironman years oh, really? and years ago. And that, and I think there was a reasonable bonus. Um, but I think you had to do something stupid like do four Ironmans in a year uh, plus Kona. Okay. Um, but they did used to have a series. In, in the, in the um, ITU, do they have a race that gets more points? Like, you know, because they obviously promote the world champs would you maybe in the world champs get double points or something I think like that? world champs get double points but all the other races are even but there is a bit of prize money variation like there's that million dollar week they had yeah. in, in the states this year where there's obviously more prize money um, but I know I think it's all even mm. except for world champs yeah no so there you go thought provoking mm. yet again John bro that's right so that's uh, that's pretty much California 70.3 April is going to be a big month for Ironman it is we've got, uh, what have we got? China I think, I think Australia coming next I think yeah Australia and then uh Arizona, yep. China, China, and I'm not sure if Lanzarote is in April or if that's in May. Oh, Lanzarote, Lanzarote. So yeah, it's going to be a big month coming up. Mm. Okay, what else do we have in the news? Yeah, no results. Yeah, no, <laughs> no results. results this week. US Triathlon sets up the Hall of Fame for Triathlon. Now, is this the US? I've actually done my piece on this one, yeah. so tell me so about it. So it's USA Triathlon, and the, the good <laughs> thing is they're not just looking for elites; they're looking to honor, um, to honor, honor. Elite and age group athletes um, and other contributors who have played a key role in the development of our sport. Uh, so you just need to go on to, we've got this off tryjuice.com. Tri-juice. Go on there and there's a bit of an article. Tryjuice were great. They did an article on us for 100 know, episode. <laughs> uh, Bookmark it. They've got a criteria and nomination form available on the USA Triathlon website. And uh, yeah, so if you think there is somebody who, you know, obviously people are going to start nominating, you know, Melina and Dave Scott and yeah. Mark Allen and so on, but 
yeah, if there's somebody who really has shaped the sport and, and perhaps your area of the states, um, get on there and, and see if you can get them recognised. I really like it when you do things like that because there are people, the background people, you know, the background people who are there every weekend and mm-hmm. they put out the signs and they organise the races and you know what, they don't get enough credit, eh? You know, yeah. Canterbury Tri Club, we have an awards dinner every year and we do, we have all that. And, yeah. uh, but yeah. you know, like, you know, and, and they really don't, like, some people sacrifice a lot of their time for the athlete, you know, mm-hmm. and they may be interested in the sport and the rest of it, but they just give up so much of their time. And there are some people who just do it so well, and it's really nice that USA Triathlon are actually going to recognise people mm-hmm. like that. I forwarded this article onto Triathlon New Zealand. Did you? Was that like a hint? Is that what you do? Is it you drop a hint? Good idea. Like, <laughs> Ironman.com, there's an article on Christine. Well, I just, I just, the reason I just saw this is I was on Ironman.com seeing if anything was happening in yeah. the world, and uh, on the homepage is a person in my home state and wrote. Really? Christine, you, you met a little girl, I think. Oh, Christine, that's right, I did too. I'm yeah. not sure how you pronounce her name, Waits. Yep. And she's, uh, I didn't know, she's the Hawaii Ironman age group champion, 18 to 24, two years in a row. Yeah, I remember she was, there was a big thing about her on that when I was over there. So it's obviously a sign. She's very small, that's what I couldn't get over. tiny. Tiny, yeah, she's really tiny, like quite short and lean. And but You wouldn't think she's not, you'd, like, you'd see her walking down the street and you'd never think Ironman. Yeah, especially yeah. in Kona, she must get blown to like Even then, she looks like she's 13. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I guess it's interesting because she's from Rote, you know, obviously she grew up with Rote and, yeah. and that sort of obviously inspired her to, to bigger things. But she's, Quite a quiet uh, girl. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you'll find out for a fact. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Thomas. <laughs> she's going to be a good babysitter by the end of Rote. What I find really interesting is that, now, honestly, I was talking to Porno about it today, that in uh, Rote, when the homestays, they are just, everyone who I know who's had a homestay just say yeah. they're absolutely amazing. If you're a pro, would you do a homestay? Well, she's obviously not a pro. Well, oh, okay, maybe she's, not. She's racing age groups. Well, so still, if you're she's, of that level, yeah. would you be at my homestay? Well, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> with a baby? <laughs> but she, she lives at home. And, uh, so oh, those, honestly, if you ever get to, if you're going to road, get on to Felix early, because they are really good at getting homestays for people, yeah, aren't yeah. they? And, uh, you know, because to me, that was actually one of the best experiences about doing the race was actually the homestay factor. So. German sausages. Oh, man, they love their meat, hey? Yeah. Oh, it's gold. Anyway, we're not going to go on to the age group of the week. We have had a few... Oh, no, sorry, hot topic of the week. We have had a few people write on, and it's really great. We're just going to give another week because, A, we've done no prep. Yep. <laughs> and, B, B done no prep. So the topic last week was we, we are going to try fundraise through um, Rote. Basically, John and I are going to have a bit of a competition, so he does better, and you've got to predict the time. And we're going to choose an organisation that Ironman Talk would like to support. Now, um, we want to kind of represent what you guys want. So if you want to have an opinion on that, go onto the forum and just write down what you think. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll do like a voting system, I'm not sure. I'll see if I can... We'll decide. Oh, really? We'll pull rank? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to pull rank. But if you're not in, we can't even le- let us pull rank on it. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love the pull rank. Anyway, so that's our, our news and discussion of the week for this week. We're going to call Richard Asher right now. But 4.13, time to call. Game on. Age Grouper of the Week. You weren't sure what we're doing there. We're doing it, mate. You're a little bit confused. Sprung it on me. (laughs) Just sprung it on you. A couple of years ago, we were up in Ironman New Zealand. 2006, was it? 2007. Seven? Yeah, yes. it was 2007. And a lady came along and she said she loved the show, but can we stop eating the peanuts on the show? That's right. <laughs> she came along and, and then luckily she still listened to the show because so, we stopped listening to eating the peanuts. Yeah. And uh, she is our age group of the week this week. But she actually, she did the, kind of did the John Newsom plan. She didn't race that time. Wait a second, what should we name here? her? 
Yeah, but hold on. We'll build, build it up. <laughs> okay, build it up. Because I remember meeting her in Ashburton and I said, oh, you're racing Ironman. She said, no, no, I'm going to do that next year. I'm just oh. sort of slowly building it up. Nice. And she just did a half and then she built up to do the Ironman. Right. And it was sent through by Zara? Uh, Zania. Zania Morrison, who's got an Ironman Talk jersey coming her way uh, soon. And I know Zania because mm. she's come to the gym. Very good. Yep. So this week's age group of the week qualified for Kona in her first Ironman. Are we going to name it yet? No. Oh, we're still going to keep building it. She's building it. It's she like the Empire State Building. Second in her age group. I think she's... 45 to 49 age group. Mother of four. Mother of four. Oh. First Iron Man. Uh, she did a couple of halves. She's done ups. three halves. Three halves. She did yep. 6.03, then 6.01, and then 5.34. So big improvement this year. Went on, went down to Challenge Wanaka. We love people who support that race. Did a, a team with her husband. Again, another coach knew some recommendation. Her oh. husband, uh, she did okay, the married. bike. No. <laughs> and her husband did the run. Uh, and then she went on and she, she had no idea she got second in her age group and was quite shocked when she qualified for Kona but so she accepted her slot to a Moira Terry from Ash Burton also known as Ash Vegas Ash Vegas that's a pretty good effort isn't it yeah. Moira Terry very nice nice work and also one of the other things Zanya pointed out when you, you live down in Ash Vegas it's pancake flat there's yeah. no hills so all her training was on the flat and yeah. Taupa is a bit undulating so yeah. another obstacle she had to overcome I was talking to someone um, at, the, at the video store they've done he qualified for Kona after doing seven Ironmen yeah. and he said you know he's a kind of like hardcore been doing it for years and he said it broke his heart because he's sitting next to some guy and he goes oh yeah I qualified as my first race <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, it's great when people qualify first time, but it's also equally as good when people. Qualify. Yeah, well, qualifying is just qualifying. This is a beautiful thing. It's more a Terry, fantastic effort, and Zania because you contributed to the show. Oh, Zania gets and it. We like that. Okay, you're you like get that. a couple of pairs of Gramo socks. Oh. So Gramo are the race wheels that are, and training wheels that are used on Genius bikes. Yep. Fantastic wheels. Yep. Um, I'll be sporting a pair of them in a couple of weeks' time up at the. What are you doing? Doing the World Triathlon Festival up in New Plymouth. So oh, yeah. I have the old grandmos on. You're going to race. You're going to another short course race. Oh, you're a short course king at the moment. So you can uh, do a Google you search. You should for race ITU. Because ITU will be there, eh? The World Cup. I'll, yeah. I'll double up. I'll yeah. do the age group race one day. And, then and you'll win. Then I'll take on Bevan Hoax Doherty the yeah. next day. Yeah, Bevan who? But anyway. Um, I'm the Bevan of Triathlon. <laughs> Moira Terry, you, you are, are our age grouper of the week. week. Beautiful thing. So we're going to get straight into the interview. So we had Richard Usher on. Um, we've just actually finished the interview then. And a uh, really good interview. We should give a quick bit of background. Uh, we do a bit of background in the, the yep. intro there. So he came from a cross-country, from a mogul skiing background. Then yep. got into sort of multi-sport races, done extremely well, yep. really dominated the scene a- in New Zealand. But took a little while to build up into it. You know, he got um, he got knocked around a bit by Gurney the first couple of coast-to-coast. Yep. Um, but also an adventure racer, so he does a lot of those four-day, no-sleep, you know, yep. you're an animal kind of yep. stuff. So, uh, a talented athlete. Very talented. Yeah. A so. lot of guys like that out there are good there. The, the thing is, when you get people like him who are talented and they can train hard, they yep. tend to do very well. But there's, yep. a, there's a lot of athletes out there that have trained very, very hard. Yeah, built and, towards and it. built someone like Gordo. Yep. And then there's other people who are just incredibly talented and, and they kind of wing it a little bit. Yep. When you get that combination right. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. It's gold. So here we go. Here's Richard Usher. Did you catch that fly? I caught it. Oh, good stuff. Here we go. Here's Richard Usher. The legend that he is. Okay, so on today's show, we're very happy to have uh, Richard Usher. He was, we talked about him a few weeks ago. Racing, legend. Legend that raced Ironman New Zealand a few weeks after racing uh, Coast to Coast and, and very much... Well, back it up, he won the Coast to Coast. Won the Coast to Coast. <laughs> <laughs> he just racing, like won it. <laughs> and, uh, and also, yeah, has been involved in winning the majority of the sort of key 
eco-challenge type multi-sport races around the world and uh, just back from his honeymoon and uh, how was that honeymoon Richard? Oh the honeymoon was fantastic we um, we were staying in a place called the Emirates Palace Hotel which is seven stars oh, really? so it was a, a little bit out of our normal yeah it was it was um, we got, you don't get got that much prize money mate how'd you scheme that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, we were in um, in Abu Dhabi for, for one of our last adventure races at the end of it, one of the uh, the employees for the Sheikhs came up and said, oh, the Sheikh would like to uh, give you and Alina a all-expenses trip paid back to Abu Dhabi for your honeymoon. Wow. And uh, so we thought that was pretty cool. My wife's spoiled now. She, um, she won't accept anything less than stars. Uh, but, yeah, it was just a, um, just an unbelievable um, trip. And, I mean, it would probably be a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing. So... Yeah, we were just pretty, um, pretty stoked and, and pretty blown away when we got over there. Mm. It was so expensive that we were scared we couldn't actually um, have anything to eat. Oh, really? they, they said, oh, yeah, it's all expenses paid, but you never really know with those yeah, things. So yeah, it was pretty yeah. exciting when it came to pay the bill. It was like, oh. You know, so it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty swanky. So what does an uh, extreme endurance couple do on their honeymoon? Do you go and climb up uh, mountains and kayak across the, the Arabian Gulf or anything like that? Well, this is the, um, the first holiday we've been on since we met, like almost three years ago. So wow. it, was, um, it was the first time we'd been on a holiday with no bikes and no kayaks and no paddles. And uh, So I was pretty sore still from Ironman, so I managed to just lie on the beach nice. for about the first three days and and by the pool, and it was it was really a, a complete relax, like no no training, no even thoughts of training, really, just sampling a bit of nice wine and um, enjoying some some nice food and, and plenty of sun, and yeah, so it's been been really good. So we we know, and a lot of guys um, in New Zealand obviously know you really well and, and perhaps know your background, but um, for the overseas listeners, before you got into coast to coast, you're also involved in um, skiing at a pretty high level. I mean, maybe just tell us a little bit about that and, and how you sort of got into coast to coast or, or multi sport racing. Okay, well, um, I guess I, I first got into skiing um, before all of that. I was getting pretty bored at school, so I thought skiing looked like a much better way to score some girls. And, <laughs> um, so I I, um, I packed up my bags and instead of doing my simple form year and went down to Wanaka and started skiing and I skied for uh, ended up being about four years three and a half years and culminated in going to the Olympics in, in 1998 in Japan wow. uh, for for the moguls so that was kind of um, yeah that was pretty funny really when I look back on it just kind of dropping out of school and going for a bit of a ski and yeah it kind of took me some places I. I was hoping to get to, but probably um, in hindsight, never really should have got to. But uh, after I after I stopped skiing, I was I was watching TV and I saw Steve Gurney doing the coast. And TV's got a wonderful way of pe- people making people look pretty slow. And uh, I just thought, oh, you know, geez, if he can run across the island that fast, it can't be that hard. So I sort of uh, at the time I was I was working in Wellington and I was in an office in suit and tie and thought oh, it's not really uh, where I want to be when I'm 21 so I sort of headed back down to uh, Queenstown Wanaka Way and uh, with the sole ambition of earning about $140 a week to pay all my food bills and all my rent and, and it kind of just went from there I, I sort of have just ended up becoming this sort of lifestyle athlete more than uh, more than anything 
and and luckily I'm making a little bit more money now than when I first started. But one sixty. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. One sixty five. I think last week. Less GST. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. just looking back at your skiing, I mean, um, back when you were skiing, was that pretty hardcore training, or compared to say what you do these days? Um, it was completely different, really, because. I mean, our longest, the longest run was about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, just uh, slightly removed from the old uh, endurance racing. Yeah. But it was very much um, speed and strength orientated and very, very skill orientated. So, you know, every day we'd be up at the mountain for probably six or seven hours. And uh, virtually the, the whole day was spent just refining technique. Whereas, uh, obviously, for. It's kind of like my swimming at the moment. All I can do is concentrate on technique because as soon as I try and go fast, then it just falls apart. So yeah. that was kind of the stage I was at with my skiing. Yeah. And then uh, there was a lot of lot of gym work and plyometric work and things like that just to get the, the strength up. But, um, yeah, I'm slimming down a bit now after uh, after all, all those years of sort of packing on muscle for that. So, yeah, it's mm. kind of, I probably, as, as far removed as a, from adventure racing and an insurance sport as what you could possibly get, really. Mm. One of the things we obviously want to discuss today was Ironman, but I'm, I'm really keen to hear a bit about um, the, the last two years for, from coast to coast, which is you know, quite contrasting for, in terms of your, um, your sort of result at the end of the day. I mean, uh, when you look back at, say, um, last year, um, 2007, when the race obviously didn't quite go your way, what sort of happened on that race? I mean, you were coming in, you'd, you'd won the race the year before and, and had a fairly nice lead on the mountain run. What sort of happened during that day when things didn't go quite so well? Yeah, it was, it's been pretty interesting looking back at, at that in hindsight and, and I've learned a huge amount from, from last year's race, probably more than any other single race that I've done. And one of the, one of the things that had happened was the, the year that preceded that I mean, I'd had a very, very successful year, um, both on a, an individual basis and also um, on a team racing basis. I've been racing with Nike USA over, a, you know, around the world at different adventure races, and we'd pretty much won everything that we'd entered. And um, it had been pretty, pretty similar case in the individual side of things. And I think when, when you don't, when you're kind of winning a lot, and you, when, well, when you don't actually have any losses, you start to just end up in an unrealistic place you know like I mean it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't matter whether you're Tiger Woods or Roger Federer or, you know everyone's uh, going to have some losses every now and again and you know if, if you go almost a whole year without a loss then you can start to lose sight of that and one of the things that, that, I, that I didn't really take into account was how much racing I'd actually been doing yeah. so in the um, in the last kind of six months of the year I'd done about 500 hours of racing uh, I'd had three wow. you know so it was you know it was, it was basically you know the amount of time that people put into training I'd actually spent that much time out on the race course wow. you know at, at, at three major adventure races that had you know been over 400 hours in total and then uh, we'd had uh, quite a few other races and I, when I look back on it I had a race in Australia in December and uh I'd been leading that quite comfortably and then all of a sudden just I'd had um, actually blown up quite badly and I'd never really experienced that um, for a long, long time. And and so when I sort of look at that and then I look at what happened in Coast where it was just one of the days where, you know, you're out there and you always know it's going to hurt but 
on that particular day, I just I just couldn't deal with it. It was just um, like my body just didn't want to know. It was just like okay, and it became really became just a matter of survival for me the the uh, the race that year. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, when I sat down and looked at it, looked at it, you know, the thing that was really apparent was that I was just tired. Um, from I was tired mentally and I was tired physically, and um, and, you know, and that's definitely not. Um, taking anything away from from Gordon's victory that year, you know he was he was definitely the best man on the yep. on the day there. But um, it took me a long, long time. It probably took me to about August um, of last year to to really get over that and to get get back to a position where mentally and, and physically I felt like you know I was back on form and that I could could go out and push like I had been able to sort of twelve months previous. So it was quite a I dug myself a pretty big hole, and it took quite a long, long time to climb back out of it. So we, we, obviously, uh, this year went very, very well, and I've heard you, you know, in a couple of interviews, saying that it was, you know, as close as you think you maybe can get to a perfect race. I mean, obviously, you want to keep improving, but things went very well. One of the things I was keen to know is you did break away on that first bike ride with um, a couple of others. For, how hard are you actually pushing on that first ride? I mean, it looks like you're going along at a pretty good clip. But you know, say relative to your anaerobic threshold or anything like that, are you actually really pushing the pace, or it's just a matter of you having to get away after that first run, and, and you're sort of aiming to stay away at a good sort of moderate pace? Yeah, it's, it's always a little bit hard to tell, I guess. So early in a race, how hard you're pushing. Definitely, as far as wattage is going, we were we were um, we we're pushing pretty hard, but because there was six of us and because we were all working well together. You know, you'd, you'd do you know, a minute on the front or whatever and you'd be working pretty hard and then you'd, you'd have uh, you know, a good amount of recovery at the end of that. So um, probably for the, I'd say for the first 10 or so K, you know, we're actually, we were going pretty fast. And after that, it became a much more sort of constant, mm-hmm. um, just sort of roll round and, and, and just sort of a consolidation really. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. We, I think we were sort of just sitting on around about 40 so it's yeah. it's not it's slightly undulating, but it's not uh, not a very difficult ride. Yeah. What kind of a nutrition are you taking on the day when you're doing the coast to coast? Um. Well, um, this year I've been I've been uh, just switched over to the the high five nutrition. I love high five. And uh, high five. Yeah, high five on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's been. Um, you know, I, I generally take. Um, I'm generally sort of. Um, eating gels probably every 20 minutes, yeah. and uh, and taking on the electrolyte drinks. I was using different ones. I used the the protein one in the in the kayak just to try and get a bit more recovery for that last ride, and uh, and the rest of the time just the um, just a combination of the the different products that they've got. But I also try and really supplement it with um, with uh, different bars and. Um, Potatoes. I, I really like kind of boiled potatoes with lots of salt and yep. uh, and lots of butter and things like that on them, and and a few bananas. So uh, yeah, as well as the the sport stuff, just a bit of um, sort of comfort food, really, just something to put in the stomach and and fill it up, and uh, and just something that's really nice and easy to eat. And, and when you were racing this year, and uh, obviously the first ride you're coming in together with the guys that are probably your, your main rivals and realistically it looked like it was always going to be a two-horse race between you and Gordon. Are you mainly doing your race or are you quite concerned about what he's doing as well? Um, no, I'm very much um, racing my own race. 
but I guess uh, I guess yeah, I'm quite. Uh, I I actually really like the the competition. I like being around people, and I like sort of keying off other people. I find that uh, it always gives you a little bit of extra uh, motivation to go hard. So uh, you know, I, I really like I really like the fact that um, you know the race has sort of stopped coming just a dawdle in the first cycle, and that we've been able to get away a couple of years in. Um, and started the race off nice and um, you know, right from the start, I think it uh, definitely makes that, that first ride go a lot faster. But one, as soon as you get on to the mountain run, I mean, I, um, as, you know, as soon as you get on there, then it, you really just have to start thinking about yourself. And you know, we, Gordon and I have got completely different game plans, really, I think, as to, to how we race. He's really, really measured. Um, you know, and he just goes to the same pace the whole day. And you know, I probably try and put in a, a lot more effort and wear where I think I can get a lot more advantage. So, you know, the run's one of those areas where, you know, I can kind of see a, a bit of an advantage over, over Gordon. And then, um, you know, that's typically where I try and get the, the break, you know, to hold it for, for the rest of the race. Hmm. All right, so you decided to come to the dark side, you know, because you're a multi-sporter. You, you came to Ironman. <laughs> um, before John's got a question, but before you even started, why did you want to do an Ironman? Well, I guess everyone sort of... And, you know, Ironman's so international, and wherever you go in the world, you know, you say you're an endurance athlete, and they're like, oh, have you done Ironman? Oh, really? And you're kind of... Sick of it. Yeah, you know, it, it's just, if you're like, oh, no, well, I'm a professional endurance athlete, but I've never done Ironman, you know, some people look at you a bit strange. Really? But, I mean, I guess, you know, there's, um, you know, you always want to see how you go against, you know, the best, and, and the fact that... Um, Cam Brown's always racing in Taupo. You know that's um, you know he's one of the best Ironman guys in the world without question. And so I thought it'd be a be a good chance to to just kind of see ballpark you know where I was. And obviously the way I did it, it wasn't um, conducive to me having probably the best race that mm. that I could have. But um, you know it definitely you know told me a lot about where I was at, and I think it, it proved to a lot of people as well that um, you know that the multi-sporters aren't maybe quite as slow as what. A yeah, lot of uh, yeah. triathletes would have you believe. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I guess that was another part of it as well, was just um, maybe giving a little bit of credibility to some of the, um, you know, the off-road athletes and the, you know, the run bike kayak athletes rather than just, um, you know, in, in the past, um, I don't think it's, it's so much now, but uh, I think in the past there's maybe been a, a case of them being looked down upon a little bit from the, Kind of the, the more pure tri community, but yeah. no, not us. Yeah, you know, not us. Obviously, the other yeah, no, obviously not you guys. But <laughs> yeah, every, I mean, when I was at Taupo, you know, I was I was um I was really pleasantly surprised. You know, everyone um you know was super positive about the fact that I was there, and um and I th- and and people you know seemed to genuinely want me to, to have a good day out there. So mm. I mean, uh, yeah, I was I was really really happy with with how things went up there. And, so when, it was when, uh, a good experience. And when you were mapping out your, when you were mapping out your season, was was the priority more based around the coast to coast and your training building to that, and then just sort of doing Ironman as a bit of a tack on, or, or were you sort of training for Ironman during your your sort of summer build up to the coast as well? I, I guess it's it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, my my weakness um, in the coast has always been my my cycling, and that's been been something I've been really, really keen to improve on, and every year it's, it's kind of got a little bit better and a little bit better. And um, this year I decided it was, you know, that 
if I if I set the goal of doing Ironman after coast, then I couldn't really hide and and just sort of fudge the, the cycling as I I have you know been guilty of in the past. And so I guess that was one of the things that really um, gave me the motivation to get out there on the bike. And you know, typically I haven't enjoyed the biking so much, but I found it's one of those things. I guess as you get better and better at it, that you know you, the enjoyment comes up as well, and mm-hmm. um, to the point where you know I've actually been really enjoying getting out on the bike. Uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely a case of of trying to get the coast first. You know, that was the um, after after the previous year, the goal was definitely to go back and try and get the title back and prove that um, 2007 was more of an aberration than a, you know than really what um, you know than, than sort of a true indicator of where where I'm at as an athlete. And and so that once I'd done that, and you know I had such a good day that you know straight away I knew that you know I really wanted to line up for the Ironman and, and give it a crack and and just see you know. So um. You know, an Ironman race is pretty, you know, kind of completely different to most motorsport races. What were your expectations going into the Ironman race um, before it? Um, beforehand, I, I was really just trying to think of, you know, some good, solid, realistic goals. And um, I've got quite a few friends who have done done Ironman who are um, kind of multi-sport and adventure races overseas. And most of them have gone just right around the nine hour mark so I thought I knew that was a pretty good place to start and uh, the, one of the big things for me has been having to try and improve the swimming and it made it a pretty tough tough summer because I, um, I was training you know maybe three swims a week and then I was kayaking five or six times a week so sort of adding that fourth sport and made it made it quite tough but um, yeah I, I, my goal was um, to try and get out of the water in about 55 minutes and then to be about 4.55 on the bike and, and try and go under three hours for the run. So, you know, I thought they were, you know, reasonably um, conservative sort of goals, but I didn't really know how the body was going to feel, you know, after only three weeks recovery. And, and then obviously, you know, Ironman's a little bit different in coast in that you, because it's after the swim, it's all legs and, and it's, it's, such, it's so close to your threshold that, um, you know, I've never really done anything like that before, so I was pretty unsure of you know how the body was going to react. And, and so, with those expectations in mind, I mean, you, you swim, you actually swam a little bit quicker. Were you fifty-one? Fifty-one was broke my heart. Awesome. It's been for years. You put on fifty-one. Oh, it broke my heart. You can't believe it. You, you must have been pretty pleased with the swim. Was there any sort of surprises out there when you when you went through that? Yeah, I, I had my. Um, the little alarm on my watch set for 20 minutes, um, and you know, so for just so I knew when to take in my uh, my nutrition throughout the day, and um, so I started that off um, just before we started the swim, and we're swimming down, and when the second one went off, we'd already went we were way past the um, you know the uh, the um, the golf uh, when the second one went off, we were coming back past the golf. Um, yeah. Oh, the, the hole in one yeah. thing there. Yeah, we were yeah. way past that, and I and so then I knew I was like, "There's no way I'm going to be 60. I'm going to be closer to 50." So that was quite exciting. <laughs> and uh, I, I sort of because I really just didn't have a clue, you know. I I was like, you know, my aim's 55, but before I knew, I could have been a 60-minute swimmer. Just yeah. um, and and that was the hardest thing for me about Ironman. Like when I was running up from the from the swim up to the transition, 
I was thinking, God, I, I hope this transition's not too difficult because I had, I just, you know, someone, people sort of said, oh, you know, you just come up and you grab your bag and you get changed. And, you know, I had no idea, you know, like how smoothly it could run. And so it was, you know, like there were all sorts of little nice surprises for me all the way along. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. That's, I didn't really need to stress about that. And, um, but yeah, I knew that, I knew the swim had gone pretty good when I was, I was running up and I passed Duncan Milne and, um, and he kind of, I didn't actually know it was Tim, but he made some. He made the comment. He said, "I thought you couldn't swim," <laughs> and and then I looked at his. Um, he had his um, number pinned to his back, and I could see. Um, you know, it's quite cool how the pros have their names there, so you mm, yeah. you know who you're passing. Yeah. It was quite neat. So, and so I saw. I was, I was actually thinking, "Geez, that's that's um, pretty good. That's probably about where you know it'd be a good place for me to stay for the rest of the day." <laughs> and, and it's kind of how it worked out a bit as well, but uh, yeah, no, I was yeah, it was a nice surprise to get out of the water. Um, but obviously, if I'm going to do uh, do some more, then you know I'll be definitely aiming to be uh, you know four or five minutes quicker in the, in the swim. So, so in your bike, so you got on the bike. Yeah, got on the bike, and um, I guess again, it was kind of quite funny because we were cruising along through through Taupo, and then you hit that hill, and as soon as we hit the hill, everyone started going backwards. Like everyone just like didn't believe how much soft how people just would soft pedal up, obviously saving themselves for the flat, but just being um, not having any clue basically. I just sort of <laughs> just just kind of rode, you know, how I would normally ride, and I probably picked up about I don't know. I, I picked up the next bunch who were probably two minutes ahead of me in the swim. By the time we got to the A1 track, I'd passed those guys. So I was um although it probably wasn't the done thing to do, I um. It probably worked out to be quite effective, and I ended up just getting a bit of line of people tagging on the back, and and then they they sort of came through once we hit the flat, so that was quite cool. But I mean, the, the whole the whole bike ride, I was I was just paranoid about getting a drafting penalty. So yeah, oh, it's um, it's something that I'd I'd need to really um, you know, have be a lot more savvy about next time because I was probably more like twenty meters off the back or even further because okay. I was just yeah, you know, I didn't know. I was like, I didn't know what the, the tolerance was, and I knew knew it was seven meters, but I didn't know, you know, like the drafting people, like have they got dodgy eyes, or are they just out to get people, or you know, what's the story? So sometimes you the last, last thing I was, the last thing I was keen on getting was standing on the side of the road for four minutes. So I thought, well, it's supposed to be a an individual race anyway, and um, so I just thought, oh well, I'll just make it as big as I possibly can, and not worry about it, and just use you know use that um, visual cue. For yep. pacing rather than um, worrying about sort of any draft effect. And so that you got off the bike, were you happy with your bike? Oh, I was, I was really happy with the bike actually. I um, I'd never done a, a time trial that long before. Yep. All my all my training for um, coast is sort of around you know 100, 150k. So um, to, to be out there riding at that pace for for 180k, I was I was very very happy to. What was your time? I can't remember. Um, what was your time off. coming in? Uh, 4.48 I think so it was about um, and and, um, yeah got off the bike feeling really good actually Um, thought you know this is um, this is pretty good and you know I got off and and I was able to run pretty good straight away I was sort of straight into 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 my pace and uh, you know and I guess you know everyone has sort of said you know the run's going to be the the one thing that's going to um going to sort everyone out and, and it definitely did that definitely sorted me out really? yeah <laughs> you run well I started off I thought um, you know if I can 
if I can try and keep around um, four minute K pace for, for as long as possible and then um, you know if I could let that sort of bleed out so my average was about maybe 4.10, 4.15 for the whole run but what ended up happening was I got off the, the got off the bike and I was feeling great and I was running along and I didn't really see many of the K markers until about 5K and I went through 5K in about 18 minutes and oh, I was wow. thinking oh that's I was thinking that's a bit stupid <laughs> so um, and so I kind of made a bit of a I think in hindsight I made a bit of a mistake I actually backed off and um, so by the time I got I think I went through 10k and in like 39 30 or something and um, but I think if, I think what happened was you know well I was um, feeling good I probably should have actually just run that I don't think I would have ended up feeling any worse and I may have got a couple of extra minutes and mm. Then, because uh, when we came back into town, when we came back into town, it was just it was just so windy that you know it just slowed your pace so much anyway, and it was kind of you know you could could tick along at a good pace, but to to really go to really sort of get you know right down to to four minute k pace, you know, it was actually it was a much much bigger effort than running four minute twenty k or you know four minute tens, and so I think if I'd had if I'd had a been a bit faster on the way out and a bit slower on the way back in, it you know, would have been a, a much better combination for the conditions. Mm-hmm. That was something I didn't really take into account. How uh, was that last 15k of the run for you? Um, I had a had a pretty bad patch. Um, not as far, I mean, I never felt like I was going to have to walk or or stop or anything like that. I, I think that's probably just from adventure racing. You really, you know, you know it's just stopping. Whilst, you know, walking is not even an option, really. Yeah. But um, probably about six or seven k, you know, I, I was just really um, just plodding along, and I got I got really sore. It was the one thing I'm not used to. Is you know, I do so much of my running on the trails, and all my all my races are pretty much on the trails, and and Asheville really kind of beat my body up a lot more than um, what I was used to there. And so I, I on the when I started the second lap, I made a conscious decision that I was. I was kind of basically going to just go into survival mode and, and just run at a pace I knew that I could just maintain to the finish. And um, I, I was, um, I was just pretty weary. I didn't know whether the pain was just going to automatically, you know, whether whether it was going to mean I was going to get cramping or mm. uh, like I was quite quite sore in my hamstrings, especially. And um, so I, I was really, really just trying to take care of my body and make sure I didn't get any cramps and things like that. And you know, when I look back on it now, I don't actually know whether I was actually in any danger of that. You know, I mean, I, I ran the last five k really well, or probably the last four k really well, and uh, probably got back down pretty close to four minute k pace. And, um, and you know, I was still and my my muscles were still hurting the same amount as when I was going slow. But um, you know, I never felt any twinges or anything like that. So Did you yeah, it's maybe just one of those. Did you pass? Sorry, many, did you pass many guys there at the end? Because it was really close between sort of fifth, fifth and eighth, tenth yeah. or so. Were you were you getting passed, or were you passing a few people there at the end? Yeah, I was. I was kind of. I got um, passed by Pete Jacobs, who was fifth, and um, uh, Herbert Hummer or something, who yeah. was sixth. And we were me. We were all running really close together, especially me and Herbert. We were, we basically finished the bike together. Yeah. And we were probably within 20 seconds of each other for most of the run. And, um, yeah, they got away from me just when I was at the end of when I was feeling bad there. And, uh, they, yeah, but I started, I just started pulling them back towards the end. So it was probably one of those cases where I just needed to dig, dig a bit deeper with when, when we were with them. And 
um, and just sort of know that I was going to come right mm. uh, as, at some stage and, and just, just hang a bit tougher. But was, that's kind of the, the disadvantage of not uh, not having done one of these races and not knowing how the body's going to react quite so much. So, so, so you know, you're obviously one of the best multi-sporters there are. You know, what are the key differences from doing, you know, your traditional sport of multi-sport to doing the Ironman? What have you found are the differences? Um, the most obvious would be... Um, would be the amount of time you've got to put in for kayaking in the multi-sport. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, I, th- I mean, obviously those guys, you know, in the triathlon, they're fantastic swimmers, but um, mm-hmm. it's such a small portion of the race. You know, yeah, I'm sure that they're not, I'm sure they're putting in, you know, maybe they put in, you know, four or five hours a week or something there, but, you know, like for the kayaking, you know, the kayaking is like training for running or biking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, you, when you're training for the coast, you've got three disciplines and you've got to really be, able to do them all for, for, you know, for four or five hours, you know, at, at the same sort of level. So, um, you know, I think uh, the multi-sport races, you tend to feel with a much more all-over tiredness, whereas I noticed in, in Ironman, you know, from the, you know, from the hips up, I was fine, but from the hips down, I was pretty smashed. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas when you speed like your back and your and your neck and your, and your shoulders and that from, from the kayak and when you do a big race, you know, they're equally as trashed as your legs, if not more so. So um, that, that would probably be the the major difference I noticed. And and probably also, it's a, it was really unique for me to have so many people around. Oh, true, yeah. And, you know, like, you know, like it's just, I'm used to sort of starting a race and, you know, after a, a reasonably small portion of time not seeing anyone again. Yeah. And you know, like at coast, I didn't see anyone from the start of the run until I started passing the two days in the at the end of the kayak. So, yeah, you know, I think it was it's a lot easier to motivate yourself to to keep on going when you can see people all around you. And um, you know, it's mentally, I think it makes things like the bike ride very, very easy. Like, I mean, the bike ride just flew by. I couldn't, you know, when we we're sort of coming around for the second lap, I was thinking, geez, that was um. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a piece of cake. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I kind of, the way I, if I did, you know, when I do Iron Man again, I think, um, you know, I have a much different approach for it. I know that you don't actually need that mental toughness so much for that bike ride. It's, it's really, you know, you just want to, yeah, it's just saving everything up for that last 20K, which, mm. um, and I, I guess I've been told that by a lot of people before the race, but, you know, it's not. I think it's much more than just a physical thing. It's it's it really is. You know, the the whole way that you can wait wait your day. You know, around um around that. And I mean, I was really I was quite worried about the swim, and I was quite worried about you know the the amount of time on the bike. And and so now, knowing that those aren't really factors, it's um you know you can can really um you know think it'd be much much easier to approach the race knowing that you've got sort of an hour and a half of real hurt and. And then the re- you know, and then you've you've got kind of the rest of the time is just setting it up for that. So mm. you just it wait. Make, it make it a lot. You just wait till Bevan. You wait till Bevan and I come back up to Iron Man. Then you'll get eight and a half hours. Yeah, it'll be pain downtown. I tell you. <laughs> so obviously a big question. I'm sure you've been asked this hundreds of times, and I'm not sure whether you want to answer it or not. And it, it may be you know, yeah, chalk, yeah, answer chalk, it. chalk and cheese. But did you did you do you find one or the other you know coast to coast or Iron Man harder, or, or are they just sort of different? Yeah, it's, it is a really, um, a really difficult question to answer. Well, I think, and I mean, I think at the end of at the end of Ironman, I was definitely much much sore than I was at the end of Coast. 
But um, I think Ironman's a lot easier to break down in your head, I think, you know, especially being a lat course. You know, that you've got really definitive kind of places that you can tick off as you go past, and you've got K markers. You've got a lot of people, so on the second lap of that run, there's always someone that you can chase. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the coast is, is a much, I think, a mentally to be able to keep yourself going at the you know, your optimum kind of level and especially like in, in the boat, you know, and you've got four and a half hours or four hours in the boat, you know, and you're pushing hard and you, after two hours, you know, you, you're in quite a lot of pain. So, you know, to be able to kind of push through and deal with that, you know, just on such a, um, you know, with, with no other stimulus around except mm. yourself, I think that, um, that actually makes it quite a lot harder and, um, but yeah, I mean, by the same token, you know, when you get to the end, you you still um, you don't have that extreme pain that you do from you know from the, the running, the marathon on the road. So yeah, it's I think I think it'd be unfair to say that one is um, is harder than the other. I think they're both you know very very tough events, but they both have quite unique qualities that you you need to to master in order to do well in them and. Um, I've, I've heard lots of people say that they think coast is physically more difficult than Ironman, more mentally difficult, but I actually would probably put it the other way around. I think that oh, Ironman coast, coast is probably much more of a mental game and, um, and that Ironman is probably much more of a physical game. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you would know. Um, so you've, you mentioned you kind of wouldn't mind maybe doing some more Ironman. What are you, what are you thinking about Ironman in the future? Um, I'm kind of in the in the process of, of mapping out what I what I want to achieve and, uh, and and where I want to go with with my sport and obviously it's you know like it's how I'm sort of been making a living for the last few years and you know I, I think um, I definitely would in the next year or two I'd, I'd really like to do a build up for for Ironman and do it properly and and do it how. Um, you know, now having done one, I think that you know it puts me in a much better position to to go about training for it and, and thinking about what I I'd need to do to um, you know be actually challenging you know the top guys rather than just yep. um, sort of making up numbers in the top ten and uh, yeah so I mean that's that's definitely one of the goals and I don't know whether it'll be um, be next year or the year after um, or even whether it'll be Ironman New Zealand but. Um, it, it probably is um, is on the cards that it will be because it's you know it's, it's nice and close and logistically it's a very very easy race yep. uh, for me to get to and, and to train for. So um, yeah, it's it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when really. Yep. But nice to win. win I one. Mm, cool. One one other question I know a lot of people probably want us to ask is um, we, we look around a lot of the Ironman races and the money is is not fantastic no. for the for the pro you know especially when you can't race that often. Um, with, yeah. with regards to your, your multi-sport career, I mean, how are you? How do you make the most of your living? Is it through prize money or through sponsorship, or, or how does sort of uh, how's your world revolve around? Obviously, the, the dollar side of things. Yeah, it's um, it's a good question. It's what I kind of wonder myself sometimes. It's, <laughs> well, every year I kind of think, Jesus, how are we going to make it through this year? And and um, you know, we seem to sort of scrape by. But you know, we, I mean, I guess it's like. Um, most Ironman athletes or, um, you know, any other endurance athletes, you know, most of us are really sort of lifestyle athletes rather than professional athletes and, mm. and uh, even though we make a living out of it, it's, 
the the main uh, thing is really still for the love. But the uh, up until now, the majority of my um, my incomes come from race winnings. So I've only really been a couple of races away from having to sort of get the hammer out and go and get some building work or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty pretty tight line, and uh, yeah. So like last year, we um, obviously coast didn't go well, and then we had. Uh, some pretty disappointing results at the start of the adventure racing season and I pretty much sat down with Alina and it was like well if we're going to keep doing this we've got to make some money and so we just uh, wrote down all the races we could think of that had any sort of prize money and, and we just targeted those so I think at one stage I'd raced six races in uh, seven weeks you know, uh-huh. just and just basically travelling here to Australia, Trinidad back to here and back to Australia just, just basically trying to make some money and um, it worked out, and luckily, you know, we had a things started going really well again at the end of last year, and, and we were able to, um, you know, to sort of make a little bit of money, actually make some, some reasonable money out of it, and uh, and survive. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a constant battle, and we're very lucky that we've um, we've got Subway on board with us for our New Zealand races. Mm. So uh, you know, they they. Um, they allow us what it, what I have their sponsorship with them just allows us to you know make sure that we can maximise our training and that we can afford to travel to the races and um, and have yeah, subway three times a day yeah subway three times a day yeah <laughs> and, uh, on the start line <laughs> what more could you need uh, subway and high five <laughs> perfect combination <laughs> no it's um yeah I mean and I, th- I guess um. I mean, really, without that, we had, um, you know, it would make it uh, would make it infinitely more more difficult, you know. And, and just you know, a lot of those, a lot of the little expenses that you have day to day from training, and just the fact that you tend to eat a lot more, and mm-hmm. uh, it just gives us a little bit of um, security, knowing that you know, like we can afford to spend, you know, like a hundred bucks going to a race somewhere in order to make five hundred. You know, that's kind of what it's like. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if we didn't have that, then you know, it would be, um, you know, the chances are that we might be spending as much as what we're trying to make and, and that's what we're always trying to balance. But, you know, we're typically always racing for small purses like, you know, three to five, six thousand dollars maybe. And um, so it does necessitate having to race a lot, which as I've seen from, you know, my Ironman experience, I can see why the guys only race four or five times a year because mm. it probably, yeah, be be pretty tough mentally, I think, to race much more than that. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So, what's on the? What are the main races on the agenda for you this year? Or are you still in the process of mapping that out? We, yeah, we. One of the the other things, obviously, that we do is uh, the adventure racing side of things. That we've been working really, really hard to try and find a uh, a financial sponsor to that to get us to the races. Uh, and, and so, a lot of a lot of it is dependent on on that, but. There's four or five races that we'd be really keen to get to around the world that um, that that we'll be keen to do. Um, if, you know, if we can find that uh, find that sponsor, we're, mm. we're always hoping the, the ever elusive sponsor. <laughs> do you have a website at all where people can come and check out what you're up to? Um, we do. It's just in the process of being updated because it got hacked. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I went on there the other day and I rang up our webmaster and I was like, why is, why is all this um, news on here? And he gave it to like, May last year and he goes, oh, some people got in and hacked it and I just, they lost all the content on it. So, oh, no. 
shame, but it's um, adventuresportnz.com as, as the as the website, and I promise that I'll get around to updating that very soon. And any of our listeners are hacking it, sharpen up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, where you can find out what we're doing and um, cool. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Matt, yeah. We, we were really impressed with your Ironman effort. We thought you were bloody legendary. Uh, we really did. It was, it was yeah, it was impressive. Solid mm. backing up. So uh, mm. next time you're down in Christchurch, you, you're based up in Nelson, that's right? Based in Nelson, yeah. yeah. Just so, up in Kaiteri for Christmas. Fantastic part of the world. It's oh. beautiful. Yeah. So very good. So thank you very much for your time and um, all the best for your, the rest of your year. Yeah. And um, we'll keep an eye out for you. see you at some Ironman races uh, in the upcoming years. Bring it on. Sounds, sounds fantastic. Thanks for that, guys. Cool. John Boy and I aren't too happy right now because we just looked at the ticket, the cricket score. God. The Poms are killing us. Crap, man. Oh, you, you try talk listeners out there. We're not happy with you right now. Oh. It's frustrating because... I, I, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind us losing if we get beaten by Australia because they're just heaps better than yep. us, but England aren't better than they're us. They're very similar abilities, yeah. frustrates me. Yeah, and we, we just cracked and we're not happy. But we are happy in some ways, John. You know why we're happy? Because we've got great sponsors. And we're going to go to... We're going to do Coffees of Hawaii first. Coffeesofhawaii.com. Yeah. Now, we have talked about this before, but get a coffee card if you haven't got one. If you're a new listener, you can sign up to a coffee card. You can sign up to their e-newsletter. And you just get on there. Oh, Bevan's... Look, 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 look at this. You can. You've got the e-newsletter so they can talk about the great you, coffees and you stuff. Can, you can join up and you can get, uh, get the coffee card. And then you can get... All the latest news, discounts, etc. But wait, there's more. Albinator has started a blog on there. Oh, nice. Yeah. He had the opportunity to hike down the trail to the Kalapalapa Peninsula and present a donation check to Gloria Marks of the Kalapalapa Onunu, whatever you say it, Patient Foundation. Oh, Council. Nice. Yeah, they've basically given 1% of their sales to the Moleskine. And uh, just again, they're doing great stuff. Good. So if you are interested in finding out more about what's going on, there you can go to molokaicoffee.blogspot.com and you find out more about that. And get your card. Get your coffee card. And like I always say, it's not just because you're going to get the great deals and it's great coffee and it's great everything, but it's a cool looking card. It is cool looking That's card. That's a cool blue, isn't it? You've got to admit it. That's the same kind of blue as our um, bike top, bike jersey. That is too. So we must be cool then. <laughs> Obvious. Obvious. So yep, so yep. Coffees so, Coffees of Hawaii for all your coffee needs, you know, and go get them and then when you're going on dates... Athlinks.com, and we're going on to the front page today, and we're going to focus on one thing today, and that's about... The latest stories. The latest stories. We haven't talked about this in a while, so if you're ever kind of just interested in some subjects that are kind of applicable mm-hmm. to our kind of our, the thing we love to do, which is sport, you basically can go onto Athlinks, and you can write up a story, or you can post the story from the internet, and then people from Athlinks look at it, and if they like it, they'll vote for it, and they'll go to the top of the list. So, for example, today we have, does stretching prevent injuries? And if you want to know if it does or doesn't, you go onto athlinks.com and you can find out. So mm-hmm. you do need to, sometimes you miss this because it is at the bottom of the page. So you do need to scroll all the way down the bottom. It's got latest stories. Um, you can browse all stories. You can add a story. You can learn more. And, and I think there's one thing about that is that when you're actually using, oh, she's doing a mean looking stretch, isn't she? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> remember that we had the, oh, sorry. Um, we often don't go, and once you sign in, you often go back to the homepage. Yeah. And so get into the habit of going to the homepage because it's a really good place just to keep you up to date with like the stuff they've got on there. Mm. Athlinks.com. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Tribys. I love Tribys, John. Yeah. And Porno and I, we're out running today because Porno's in town and so we went for a bike ride and um, 
went for a bit of an off-the-bike run, as you do, and we, we were feeling pretty strong, to be honest, a bit legendary, but uh, Porno, I was telling him how cheap the Kayanos are on there. Yeah. 130 bucks, nice. US. So, like, for, for and, and you know what Sean O said? What? It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And so, like, Porno, he's going to get two pairs because, because free there's free shipping. shipping. Mm-hmm. No, no, for, for those, why is that so cool to us? Well, in New Zealand, Kayanos, you can pay up to $300 in some retail shops, yeah. but generally you're looking at least 260 maybe yeah. 270 And even with New Zealand dollar, 130 US, about 160 about 160 yeah. So you're, you're saving yourself 100 bucks, mm. And if you get two pairs, you're saving $200. Well, I've had to buy some new cycle shoes. Oh, yeah. So, so. <laughs> Finally, Bevan's onto his second pair of cycle shoes no, in, in his career. First? Uh, yeah, my yeah. second ever. I've had the same shoes for nearly six years. <laughs> I made him, he had this bit hanging off the back of his shoe and I made him cut it off because it was so manky. I've glued the bottom back together at I've, times. I've done that once before. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were, they were a bit tired. And I, and I had to get some new gym cycle shoes as well. So I got yeah. two pair of just cycle shoes, a pair of Kayanos, and it, I've, honestly, I've saved myself hundreds of dollars. You, you can't eat for a week, but no, it's breaking my But again, and again, I got an email from Jill today just saying how great the service is. She ordered from New Zealand five days from the States. Nice. She said that, you know, like, you can't get that even that fast here in New Zealand. So When you get things from, uh, what's, what do you call it? Um, Trade me? No, no, when you're the bookshop. Amazon. When Amazon? you get things from Amazon, it takes way longer than that. Well, it depends how much you pay yeah. on Amazon. It depends. But do you pay on Tripwise? No, not if you spend $200, you don't. Exactly. What else can we tell them about, Jombo? Uh, John's it. coaching website. CoachJohnNewsome.com. Kim Kiyakaha. I've actually been on Athletics this week. Yeah. I went on Athletics and I put on there who wants to join me for running for the balls. Nice. Yeah. Any takers yet? No, <laughs> don't think so. Don't think so. We'll be I'm sure everyone will be joining. You'll be the only one who doesn't. You changed your tempo there today. Yeah, I did. Good. Yep. Good boy. Yep. Good. I often forget. That's a technical thing. Sometimes I forget to change tempo, which means we can only do the show for an hour at six. Yeah, but... Um, anything else? You got you nervous about your big speech? I am nervous about my big speech, to be honest. Slightly okay. nervous because I've created the content and I went and practiced it today, and there's problems and we solved them. But I'm a bit nervous. I'm going to be doing it two hours from now. Yeah. <sighs> Deep breaths. Don't go to the toilet between now and doing it because once you break the seal, you'll be standing there just before you go up, going, "Oh no, I need to go out." Really? Yeah. But what happens? Well, you maybe go now, but then I would say that would be your last you, toilet. I've just had like two bottles of water. Oh, just. Mm. No, so what are you up to for this week, Jombo? What am I up to? Just literally got back about an hour ago from holiday. Had a fantastic holiday up in uh, the Abel Tasman National Park. Cool. So for those of you who haven't been to New Zealand, if you ever come to New Zealand, that is a must do. Oh yeah, it definitely. is paradise. Work it up there. So I'm just uh, back, and so no training today, just a travel day, and then back into it tomorrow. So just travel, training, and a bit of work this week. And then next weekend, yeah, I've got another race coming up, doing the Olympic distance race up in New Plymouth. Then I'll sit around and watch the World Cup race the next day. It's going to be fantastic. Oh. Yeah, what about you? Other than your little talk tonight? Well, I have had a lot of, a lot of advice on movies after right. I talked about picking the movie. Yeah. And a lot of people gave me some movies. So thank the people who gave me the movies. And just nice. one thing before I tell my week. One thing I think that's going to take John and I to the next level yeah. as in legendary is no one's done a Wikipedia page on us. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I would love it if someone out there could do a Wikipedia page on Iron Man Talk. If you really want to go hardcore, do one individually on me. Because you can't do it yourself, can you? No. Well, you can, but it's just not the same, no, is it? No, no, no. It's just not cricket. So, uh... so yeah, this week, and, and, and the cool, if you don't know what Wikipedia is, do your research, do your peas. Yeah. So do a Wikipedia page on us. Right. And put a photo in there. But don't use the green head thing. <laughs> use, a, use a good one if you can find I'll put a good photo on there. Um, what are up to for the rest of the week? Well, I've got my big speech tonight. 
Uh, RPM Enduro tomorrow. Yeah. You oh, you're looking at my... Yeah, yeah. Hack at 4.45 on Thursday. No, that's not this week, is it? I haven't done my timetable this week, you see. Oh, okay. See, look at last week. Look at this. Look how busy my bloody week is. Look at that. Guitar, I've got to eat. I haven't even put in my diary that I've got to eat. <laughs> and meditate. <laughs> and meditate. I meditate every day. Um, no, and then on the, on the people seem to like to know about the dating thing. Yeah. It, it's still going. Still going. It's still going. It's, mm-hmm. it's like nearly like two weeks. Setting records, setting <laughs> records. Up. You know, soon no, I'm you're up. like one of my friends. I've got a friend, he's a long term relationship person. He cannot be allowed of a relationship. Although you were out of a relationship. I've been, for a it's while. been a nearly a year. Yeah. It's the longest ever. Yeah. yeah. Really? And, and is he back into another one? He's married, just had a kid. Oh. Well, yeah. once you're married, you're in for a long term, aren't you? Well, you hope so. <laughs> you hope so. <laughs> he was one of those guys who can never not be in a relationship. Really? If he split up with a chick, he'd be with somebody else like within a week. But was he one of those guys who had set up the next chick while he Because I didn't do that. Yeah, well, he always, he always had something <laughs> on the side going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, so yeah, so I'm doing it right. I'm taking okay. it slow. And But thanks for the movie's advice, because I'm actually going to take um, to, to one of the movies that got recommended. Good. So there we go. Anyway. Let's, let's rock this party. Let's finish this up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.